tonight, we are looking at the topic of anxiety. We are looking at Jesus' teaching about worry. And we are so aware that worry is such a big, let's say, stronghold in Gloucester. Let's say problem, amen, in Gloucester, that we studied a book on it. We're going to preach on it tonight, and we'll keep preaching about it. And we'll keep talking to each other about it, and we'll keep working through it, you know, because the number one reason, the number one reason that I hear on a consistent basis for what holds people back from even visiting the church or after they've come to continue and to persist on to be in community is anxiety. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people having anxiety attacks on the way to church, even when we've had potlucks and they've already made the food and they had every plan of coming. It's real. And I don't know the reason why. But worry is a big, big problem. And it's a big problem for us here in Gloucester. So much so that so many people that I meet and I'm friends with and I care about and I love go through this cycle where they self-medicate with marijuana and all kinds of other stuff because they're just in this trap. And they're like, I'm so anxious. And it's the only thing I can do to keep one foot in front of the other. We are crippled with worry. We are crippled with worry. It is a stronghold. It is a vicious cycle, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it so frustrating that anxiety in us causes us to not do the things that would actually give us progress in our lives because we're so busy worried and it's like this hamster wheel that we just can't get off of because we spent the whole day stressing out and we didn't do anything about the problems that we have. And sometimes we got problems that doesn't matter what you do. There ain't, you're not going to change your diet and all of a sudden, bang, you got cancer no more, right? There are some problems that are too big for us to lift in our lives and in the lives of the people that we love. And yet, is worrying about it helping us at all. Tony Evans said once, he said, worry is concern on steroids. Worry is concern on steroids. There is a concern which you should have in your life and you shouldn't sit there and let life happen to you and let things fall apart and not give been a long weekend. <laughs> I remember when I remember when I was registering for classes. 
community college. And it was a new experience for me. I mean, I never thought I was going to be doing that in my wildest dreams. <laughs> it's not something that I thought was going to be in my future. Um, like some of our teenagers in this church, man, I was in crisis. I was hurting myself. I didn't think I was going to make it out of high school alive. Severely, severely depressed. But... Um, I'm in this room full of all these other folks, and they all are looking around. And, you know, at certain colleges, maybe it's different, but at county community college, the people at the registration desks are not the friendliest or most helpful people in the world. <laughs> it's like maybe one step below the DMV. <laughs> well, Lisa had a good experience. <laughs> and it's, of course, it's a person by person. But what I experienced was that people would wait in line, and then they would just be like, what are you doing? You're not even in the right line. And everybody there was lost. And something amazing happened to me. Um, God had been working in my life so much that afterwards, I was able to reflect on this. I was able to open up my eyes and just see a bunch of people who were lost and confused and stressed out. And I was able to just help them. And I was just able to go up to them and be like, you know what's happening? Because I don't. And we were able to joke it away. And we were able to press forward and find some stuff out and cool down the situation and figure out what to do. And that would have been impossible for me. <laughs> Just a few years before that, I would have been thinking, man, these people are looking at me. They're thinking about me. I hate, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't belong here. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Like, are they going to accept me? How am I going to have the money? And then just spiral into this, 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 vortex of worry until it would destroy me. And what I had to do is the title of tonight's sermon. Get out of your head. <laughs> Amen? Can we all say that? Amen. Oh, we could do that a little better than that. I mean, <laughs> already? One, two, three. Get out of your head. Amen? See, because the first one I have here is that worry is an absolute waste of time. We're on that hamster wheel. A, a, an amazing woman who hid Jews during World War II, who went to the concentration camps because of her faith and the incredible boldness she had to stand up for what was right and what was good, said, worry does not heal tomorrow of sorrow. But what it does to is it steals today of its strength. Worry does not heal tomorrow of its sorrow. But it steals the strength that you have today. Many of you have been in this vortex. Many of you are in it right now. Webster defines worry as allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. And what does Jesus say? 
He says, can you change one hair on your head? And you're saying, yeah, Revlon number 22. <laughs> come on, come on. Stay with me. You know that's not what he meant. <laughs> you know that's not what he was saying. <laughs> Can you add a single minute to your life? Can you make yourself an inch taller? <laughs> some of you wish. <laughs> you get some certain special shoes. <laughs> get out of your head. That's a word of grace to you. That is good news to you. Can you hear it? Can you hear it tonight? Get out of your head. John Stott said, so then God's children are not promised. Listen, you are not promised freedom from work, nor from responsibility. And this one we don't like. Nor from trouble. But you are promised freedom from worry. You're not in sin and you're not failing because you're in trouble. And that is good news because sometimes we feel like if we're failing, sometimes we feel like if we're facing trouble on every single side, sometimes we feel like we're working ourselves to death, something must be wrong and God's hands of blessing must be off of us, but that's not true. But what he does want for you, he wants you to get out of your head. He wants you to get out of your head and he wants to see you to see other things. He wants you to see, second of all, that God is in control. Amen? I mean, listen, listen. The birds, have you ever seen a lazy sparrow? I mean, sparrow, I used to work for UPS, and Mad TV used to have a skit about the UPS guy, and he was always on speed. <laughs> and he was always, like, moving, like, and he was, like, being all crazy and you know and if you ever you if you've ever worked like I worked downtown and um you know this is terrible it's going online it's gonna be a problem <laughs> but like if you ever like hung out and in, in the mail rooms and stuff and, and seen this the pace of the DHL guys that have 80 stops and then the UPS guys that have 200 <laughs> in a day <laughs> it's a little different <laughs> I've never seen a lazy sparrow. And God has called us to gather. And God has called us to move. And God has called us to work. And Paul says, right, that the one who doesn't work shouldn't eat. Now hear me really clearly. For all of us, our work is different. And our capacity to work is different. And some of us need to be working on ourselves and they need to be faithful to the things that God is calling them to do. There's disability. There's all types of situations in life, but no one gets to just turn off and expect other people to do everything for them. 
back in the day, the, there was an Old Testament law, and I've talked about it before. Jesus was poor. He was on wick. He was on welfare because Jesus, he spent all day in the county office because you see him and his disciples, and they're going to the fields, and the farms had the, you know, they had this law in Israel that the farmers could not harvest the corners of the field. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, they couldn't harvest the corn, the wheat, the whatever. But you know what? Like, the poor of the land had to get up off their butts and go to the fields and grab some wheat. <laughs> they were landless and they were poor. But there was activity. There was action. And we all are called to do what God has called us to do. And so when God says, do not worry about your life, he does not mean don't be concerned at all. He's saying, don't have that concern, that concern on steroids, which is killing you. Get out of your heads. Worry is not just like a problem that we have. Now listen to me. Sometimes, and it's hard to know which one is starts first. Sometimes we have imbalances in our brain. Sometimes we are bent to worry and stress and we have disorders, right? But sometimes our, our environment and the pattern of our life and the habits that we have of worrying have actually carved like a... Um, like when you ski down a hill, if you ski down the hill, there's grooves that are made in the snow by the skis. And like in your brain and in your heart, there are patterns and ways of thinking where you just repeat and repeat the same way of doing stuff. And all of a sudden, that's the easiest path. It's the natural path. It becomes second nature. And it's more than just a habit. It's physically and chemically, that's who you are now. <laughs> and some of you were born just to be bent that way. And you need God's grace, amen? And you need God's help. And God gives us things like counselors. I want, you, I want to be really clear. God uses medicine. And he uses counselors. And he uses all of that. But just like I said, even the person on disability has work to do. Even if you were born with the greatest disposition of anyone ever lived <laughs> to worry, you still have responsibility. Amen? So how do you get out of your head? How do you retreat from your mind? You know, the King James says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Throughout Jesus' sermon on the mount, we've, what have we seen? We've seen this idea of the kingdom of heaven, and then we've seen this other idea of righteousness. And you know what? There's a reason that Jesus is mentioning both here. 
Even in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about being persecuted for my name, and then he talks separately about being persecuted for righteousness. So you can be persecuted because you're talking about Jesus, because you're pushing Jesus as the hope of the world. You can be persecuted, and people are persecuted all over the world. But you can also be persecuted for standing up against bullies. You can be persecuted for standing up against racism. You can be persecuted for standing up for what's right. And that is this idea of righteousness, which is way bigger of an idea. God's righteousness throughout the Old Testament had everything to do with taking care of the orphan, the widow, the foreigner, the fatherless. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that it seems like we have churches that even, that just care about one or the other? Just care about the kingdom? And there's like a misunderstanding of the kingdom? But for our purposes, care about the kingdom and care about people going to heaven and all that and are utterly silent about anything else from people getting beat on by their spouse to schools turning the other way while kids get bullied to a million other things. See, this is the thing. When you are concerned, when you are seeking out and you're concerned with God and you're concerned with his kingdom and his righteousness, all of a sudden you have a lot less ram. You have a lot less accessible space up there to worry about yourself. And you are pursuing what God wants for you. See, see, what we got to do is we got to look at verse 25, right? And it says, therefore, and it's talking about, it says, do not worry, but where, it comes out of something. And not that long ago, Dylan preached about what this comes out of, where Jesus challenges people. You can't serve God and money, right? And it says, don't store up treasures on earth, but in heaven, listen, listen, I, I remember we would go out under the bridges, like A and B Street Bridge. We lived, I don't know if you know, like in the news, Dr. Oz would go on Conrail. There's, there's this um, freight train that goes right through North Philadelphia, and it's where all the people who are shooting up are staying, and there's places, there's fires, there's little, there's like camps, little tent cities and all this stuff. And we would go there and we would pull people out and we would help them come up the hills and we would see people with the needles stuck in their necks. And you know what? I remember taking a group of people and they were asking me, what if somebody swings at me? And I said, well, then you might get hit in the face. <laughs> well, what, what, what if something serious happens? And this is the thing. 
this is the thing that I just really need you to hear this, okay? So, so what if the person you love goes crazy and leaves you? So what if the kids that you've invested so much time in fall apart? So what if you get hit in the face seeking the kingdom of God? If you know that you know that you know that you are going to heaven, so freaking what? That's what you got to get. You got to get to that point where it's not God and I need this certain amount of peace in my life. God and I need this certain amount of money in my life. God and I need this certain amount of health in my life. But when you get to the spot where you're like, this life is this life and then it's over and then I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to see my father you're going to have a freedom from anxiety and you're going to just be like opening your eyes and you're going to see the one who makes all the struggles you've been through all the doubts that you've had all the struggles that you had with your family with your kids with your spouse with the friends that you love and you poured out your heart to it's going to make it all worth it So I want to say to you, when the Bible says that you're suffering light and momentary struggles, listen, those light and momentary trials for the people who would hear those words were things like all of their stuff being taken from their neighbors and the state doing nothing about it because they were Christians. And Paul had the gall and the nerve to say it's light and it's momentary. And this is what we gotta do as a community. This is what we gotta do as a community. When we, when we give sympathy, when we give sympathy to those who are in certain spots of self-pity, it's like pouring gasoline on an open fire. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is, okay, when we get to know each other well enough and we are really family, we get to say things. We get a card. We get a card. I hope you carry this card around where your friends are worrying. And you know what you get to say to them? Stop. <laughs> Look at God. You, I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, you can face tomorrow. And you gotta be able to say that in love. Guys, I just wanna close with this. I was a man who was absolutely paralyzed with anxiety. Absolutely paralyzed. And God has set me free. God has set me free. I'm not saying that there aren't moments of over-concern. I'm not saying there aren't some times when the concern button, like I bump into the radio and it goes on full blast and I can't sleep all night, right? Because <laughs> that happens. But what I'm saying, it does not define my life like it used to. 
And I am telling you, and I am encouraging you tonight to get out of your heads. There's more than the problems you're facing. There really is. There really is. And God loves you. And you've got enough to deal with. There's enough actual physical pain. There's enough actual just all day long days working. There's enough actual pain that God has called you to bear, but he hasn't called you to carry worry. He hasn't called you to carry that. So cast your cares on him, the one who cares for you. Amen. Amen. Amen.